Hello and welcome to the Lincolnshire LMC Hot Topics podcast. So I'm joined by by Lucky Rajput. Hi, most of you guys would know me. I've been working as a GP now for nearly 15 years. I've been living in Lincolnshire for about 20 years. And in 2004, I decided to become a GP. I trained in Boston, so I became a a GP trainer after I became a GP. So I started to with Sue Morris, one of my colleagues who you may already know. So at the moment, I am doing a salaried job. I became burnt out and I decided to um, reduce my uh, responsibility by taking a step down. So now I'm working as a salaried GP about six sessions a week. Probably one of the the main things that I, I want to know from you, Lucky, is why is it that you're interested in in kind of well-being and, and burnout? You've mentioned some some personal experiences, but what it is, what is it particularly that interests you? Why is it such a priority, do you think? Very good question. I think a lot of that is about personal experience. You know, I found that after a while, things became a little bit too much because all the pressures that are on us all the times and, and everyone is different. You know, we all have different thresholds. So I reached my threshold at that point. Um, and th- there are some adverse events that happen around that time. We kind of, it was, it was not a good experience, actually. It was a horrible experience to go through. And I think that's another reason why I would prefer, uh, you know, and support my colleagues so they don't have to go through that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, all gener- all journeys are individuals, and we can't make anybody do anything. But mm. we can always support them with their journey and help them. So I think that's why I am interested in that. The second part is, um, as I was saying earlier on, all my roles: trainer, appraiser. Uh, senior appraiser, they're all developmental and supportive roles. Mm. So I um, sort of further developed into sort of coaching and mentoring. And one thing that is very, very important is the idea of well-being, a very, very important topic that I would like to, you Mm. know, uh, make my colleagues aware of. If you could describe well-being, the state of well-being, what what words would you use? How how would you describe well-being? I think the words I would use are that of balance, um, because you know, like it's all about we all have different pushes and pulls in our life, um, and I think a state of state of well-being is where you feel well, um, and I think there is something about for some people wellness means happiness, for some people it means health, for some people it means the overall balance where they've got the the work life and home life. What are your thoughts, Lucy, about well-being? I think, I think that's a really interesting word, balance. And, and I think that's something that for GPs, for, for practice managers, for nurses, for, for AMPs, for everybody that works in primary care at the moment, I think balance is, is a really interesting concept and idea because um, it's so busy, isn't it? Life is just so busy. Um, you know, in the jobs that we do, that the strain is constant. The there's the work never ends, and I think it's so hard not to take that responsibility home with you. And and it doesn't take long before it starts to impact other areas of your life, and you, you lose that that balance between work and non-work. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm I'm brand new. I'm fresh out of training. I only qualified 
um, yeah. sort of towards the beginning of this year. Um, you know, emerging out of GP training into um, the working world as a GP in the middle of a pandemic. Um, you know, we were still in lockdown when I became a GP and the, the way that <clears throat> primary care has changed, the way that we have um, sort of really hit head on the challenge in front of us is is really amazing. I think I think resilience and well-being are just so important going forwards because it's really hard to find that balance. And I think that's why I really wanted to speak to you today and I really wanted to try and make the focus of um of, of some of these podcasts about about resilience and making sure that people know what resilience is, what well-being means and why it's important. Um, so it is possible to have a better work-life balance, um, certainly. And I, I suppose we're living in such strange times at the moment and we're all adjusting. I think it's more difficult to maybe spot the signs. You might even you might not even realise that you, you're, you're suffering from um, from yeah. burnout. And I, and I wondered if you could just maybe describe some of those um, signs and symptoms that we, we might need to just have a little think about. And I think even going through, I did not recognise those signs and symptoms, as you rightly said. It only became apparent afterwards, uh, you know, when I was reflecting back. So... Um, you know, very easy to describe sort of symptoms of burnout as physical, emotional, behavioral. You know, like as, as GPs, we, we look at every complaint in the context of psychosocial uh, situation. So um, physically, I, I noticed that I was starting to become tired um, and, you know, like I was eating more. Um, I am, you know, like when I'm stressed or distressed, I'm a, a eater. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> Me uh, too. Uh, yeah, so I started to eat more. Emotional sides, again, you know, like I was feeling that uh, as a GP, there's so many pressures, um, you know, like uh, the pressures from the regulatory bodies, CQC, GMC, NHS England, they all want things doing. And I think um, when I was a partner, I just felt that I had no control. And I think mm. the control, the control over your workload is so important for your well-being. I started to question myself, you know, am I a good GP? Is that the right profession for me? Um, so really, really sort of profound questions, really. Um, and and the other thing, I, I noticed that it became quite cynical. Um, a couple of my colleagues sort of fed back that to me, you know, like uh, um, there is a Facebook uh, group called Resilient GP. And I was posting very, very negative um, sort of uh, rhetoric against the, you know, uh, the organizations. I didn't notice that at the time. I think I was just being I was just trying to say what was coming to my mind and I was expressing my views. But that's not normal me. And I think people picked up on that. Those was around me. So if you're looking after your sort of colleagues well-being, you will notice a change in behavior. So be aware of that. Um, and I think behavior wise, as I was saying, one of my coping strategies is eating comfort food. Yeah, um, yeah. Not the, you know, it's not the ideal, but I noticed that I was doing more and more of that. And one of the other signs is, you know, your empathy goes down, starting to get annoyed with patients. Um, so I was saying, you know, you're not getting, you're not taking on responsibility, you don't, not getting the, the pressures. But you know that the problem is not with them. I think it was I was getting my frustrations out on them, not sort of mm -hmm. overtly, but I noticed that there was a difference, there was a change. Yeah. So these are yeah. the 
the signs and symptoms I experienced. And I can certainly relate to some of that. As I said, I'm early in my career. I've, I've just started this job and already after a few months of, of, of stress and of uncertainty um, and workload, just the sheer workload that we, we have um, in primary care, all team members, I found myself finding it more difficult to make decisions. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely have, I, I now have a new understanding of, of decision fatigue. And I, I've spoken to, to quite a few colleagues, actually, that, that describe the same, you know, and, and I think that that tells me that that burnout is kind of towards the end of, of like a, a spectrum. And I think you can be you can be on that spectrum. You can have degrees of burnout. And I think that it's, it's it's about spotting the signs, spotting them early. Just saying, you know, a little bit of stress is always good. Um, and I think it's what sort of um, sort of makes our job enjoyable. You know, some of us thrive on a little bit of stress, but you're right. Eventually that stress can become so much. Um, as I said, you know, we're all strong people. And, and if we start to sort of get us to hold weights above our head, we can only do that for a certain time. And if you just keep on adding weight and weight, no matter how strong we are, we will eventually fall. Mm. You were saying earlier on, you know, the decision fatigue. Yeah. Eventually, you know, we start get tired making decisions and then we start making wrong decisions. Mm. Um, I think there is a lot of benefit in stopping and yeah. take those five minutes. And, and it's those it's those, those little things happening that in your case, you described that it was perhaps people around you that noticed it. Yes. Um, and what I, what I thought about when you were describing that is how important is it not only to think about our own well-being and spotting the signs of well um, burnout in ourselves, <clears throat> but also spotting it in our colleagues. So if, if you've got someone that you're working with that, that just seems to be really fed up, like, you know, creating an opportunity just to sit down and say hey like how are you doing what's happening you know like hey how's it going it's so important you know it may just sound like a very simple statement um, and I think what um, I remember last year when we did the LMC well-being seminar one of the things I took away from that is asking learning to ask colleagues not once but twice and maybe even three times because you know mm -hmm. as GPs we are all healthcare professionals you know taking practice managers nurses we're not very good at telling other people how we truly feel mm -hmm. um, and I think if somebody says you know how are you doing lucky I'll say oh, I'm all right buddy how are you doing but if they say no lucky how are you really doing said um hmm, yeah hard work no, Lucky, how are you really, really doing? I may then want to open up because somebody's showing interest. Yeah. And I think we see that with patients, don't we? If you if they feel that what we are asking them sincerely, they're more likely to open up. And as as in a profession, we're not very good at looking after ourselves. Um, and I think with there comes a duty obligation of putting others before our own needs. You know, we we are fixers. Um, yeah. And it is really difficult as a GP to come in a situation when you can't fix it. Um, yeah. And I think what's important is, you know, if you do become um, burnt out is, you know, um, I went through a horrible year, um, the process of going through that. But with support and help, I have come out of the other end. I am happy where I am now, you know, and it's, you know, becoming salaried, reducing your session. Yes, it meant taking a financial hit, 
but it's you know it's not all about money um and i think one of the things why it's important earlier on you asked me about why is well-being so important um i think health is our biggest asset if you're not yeah. health, if you're not wealthy what's the point um and i think it's such an important thing well-being that um you know to an extent G- gmc requires it's a responsibility yeah. um, we have to make sure that we are well because if we are not well how can we make other people well that's a really good point you know often i think i think sometimes as as healthcare professionals we think we have to give everything we have to give 110% to our patients yeah. all the time and we we we're perfectionists as as yeah. medics aren't we and we we we're, yeah. we're trained to to just go the extra mile and i think it's remembering that actually really from a from a, a general medical council point of view mm. you have to look after yourself if you're not in a good position then mm. then you can't give give to patients you need to put yourself first sometimes and yeah. particularly at the moment um and i think that's where the organization culture is very important and um, because you know like if um I think it was this weekend I was watching a program of Holby City. I I know it's a sad thing but I was I was just happening to watch it. And and what they showed was the doctors was working so hard. They were tired, they were not sleeping and and they were but they were they kept going. Um, and I think there's an expectation isn't it that when chips are down when the health of the country we will just keep going and keep going and keep going but there is an end point to that um as I was saying earlier on I was sort of very interested in coaching and mentoring and um my dissertation that I undertook was about resilience and well-being looking at the GPs in Lincolnshire um and and i also included practice managers because it's about teamwork mm. which is one thing that sort of helps us dealing with this um but one of the interesting thing was that people don't understand what resilience means mm. where people understood what well-being means more mm. um so i think that was the learning from me perhaps you know more focus on the word well-being rather than focus on resilience I mean with with all of your experience you you mentioning you you've got a variety of different kind of interests in this area and you you know you're a, you are a, a mentor and you do coaching what 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 would you say if you, you know what would you say to our primary care colleagues um who might be listening to this thinking hang on yeah I'm not sleeping well I'm tired I'm being crabby with the kids or I you know I'm fed up and I'm not sure I want to do this much longer what steps could you advise what what can people be putting in place to help uh, I th- that's a very good question Lucy because my experience is that in originally people think that um you know just stress you know just having a busy day a busy week a busy month to a degree that's true but eventually it sort of wears us down mm. uh, so i think the first thing is recognizing and admitting to yourself that you need help yeah. that hardest bit um you know like if you look at any conditions the and i think especially um if you focus on mental health problems it's about recognizing in yourself and wanting to do something about it so and with mental health you know it's taking us years and years to get rid of that taboo mm. that bad thing and absolutely yeah we are human beings and eventually we'll get tired 
Um, and I think we were talking earlier on about our duty to uh, to make sure that we are well before we look after ourselves and how important it is. So what would I say to colleagues? Um, first of all, I think I, I always say to them, I think it's a good thing that you've recognised that. Yeah. It's a good thing that you step forward and speak to someone. Um, because I think that's, you know, these are your support networks. Um, and I think especially if you're in early stages, if you can, um, you can, I mean, the deeper down you go, just like depression, it is more difficult to then come up. So the earlier you catch yourself, the better it is. Yeah. So I, if it's a sort of a mild thing, you can talk to your colleagues. The thing we worry about as profession is what will people think? What will my team think? Because, you know, like with, with these emotions, you also get a feeling of guilt. You mm. feel letting down your colleagues. Um, if you're not, you know, doing as much as they are doing, if you're not pulling the weight, so to speak, mm. that gets you down. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes if you are talking to an experienced colleague, they may say to you, you know, I think we all go through this. It's all right. It's normal. It's understandable. Um, and, you know, important thing is just take some rest. And I think if you can rest sometimes a week or so, um, you know, use that time to the the psychological term is to decompress. Yeah. It's quite a useful thing. Take yourself away from that situation. Take uh, your annual leave. <laughs> I mean, that's it, isn't it? We do have annual leave. So, um, and I, 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 I remember when I was a partner, I was terrible at taking it. Um, and I think it's really, really important to take those annual leaves regularly. I always promise myself I'll do that. Uh, but I think what happened is you always look at what's the best time of practice to take your annual leave, isn't it? I, I struggle. I've, I've, I've had to force myself to take my annual leave. Um, and I wonder how many of my colleagues feel the same. I think when it seems like, as the point you made earlier, you know, it seems like we're really up against it. The last thing it feels right to do is to take a break, but it but it totally is. And I think for me, like especially with like currently, you know, we're in lockdown, there's a limit to what you can do with your annual leave. But I think what I've learned is that connecting with people is still possible. Um, you may have to try some slightly different ways of doing it um, as we are doing it differently today. Um, yeah. But connecting with family and friends, going out for a walk, there's, there's so many things that we can do. And I think sometimes it's important to focus on what you can do rather than what you can't do when we're in lockdown. <laughs> so I think there's an element of self-compassion. That's another word we use. Be kind to yourself. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think you, what you said about walking and that physical activity is so, so important. Um, and I think especially at the early stages, you may find that it's really, really important to um, take some physical activity because that encourages happy hormones. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things about mindfulness, sort of things you can do. Um, mm -hmm. You can go for a five minute walk um, and be mindful. I think this helps to distract um, allows you to then come back to the practice. Uh, things like lunch breaks. Um, I've noticed that a lot of my colleagues, when when it's you know hard work, they are um, sort of skipping meals, um, especially lunch, because there's so much work to do. They can't stop, so they are eating while they are typing with one hand and they're eating with the other. Yeah, yeah. Or and I think um, although they may think it's helping, in the long run, I think that is 
for us, it's really, really important to make sure that we are eating at right time, eating the right food. When we are stressed, and I am as guilty as anybody, more guilty, you know, I tend to go for comfort foods and, and they are not good in the longer run. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they will probably harm me, although maybe serving an instant gratification need. But it's more about the long term. I think that's where the balance comes in. And we, we see so much, don't we, as GPs, we see, um, you know, in our patients, we're, we're, we're always giving lifestyle advice. Um, yeah. But, you know, actually, it's important that we take that advice as well and we take it on board and we we um, we kind of are, are examples as well. And I, I completely understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm awful for just going to the shops and buying something unhealthy. Um, and then coming back and just eating as I'm typing and and certainly that's something that I've learned recently is it's so important just to go and take half an hour just go and have a a casual chat or go for a walk get out and make you know some fresh air just to change your environment. So if it's a mild thing then you're right you know the the things like uh, talking to colleagues, connecting with colleagues, doing some more physical activity, uh, doing um, other things to enrich your life that you find the balance with happiness, listening to music, watching movies, going for walks, that sort of things, it can sort of help to stabilize the condition. But I think if you, as you start to get more and more down the well, then I think you may then have to um, reach out to others, so get some more professional help. For example, in Lincolnshire, we offer sort of a service called Take 30, which we started um, for COVID era. Um, Because all of a sudden, sometimes, you know, it's good to, again, I use that word decompression, which means is you're stopping taking a moment, thinking about what you're doing, thinking in a logical way. We also offer coaching and mentoring, which is a little bit long-term support yeah. um, from LMC as well uh, through a, a sort of team called Impact Links. Um, so you can access them through the website or LMC. Yeah. That- the LMC website. So there's some fantastic pages on there all about Take 30, about Impact Links mm. and loads of resources on mindfulness on kind of uh, kindness and giving and physical mm. activity there's there's so many things there just I mean all we can share with you now is kind of a snippet and and some ideas and, and personal experiences but I'd encourage anyone that's um kind of feeling from listening to this that they might need to make some changes um certainly just head on over to the website it's not you know too late and certainly I, I've I've used um the mentoring service I, I decided a few months ago uh, that I needed a mentor that's again something that the the GMC advised that that everybody should have a mentor um and I've I've gone down that road because um you know I think I think we need the support and guidance um and it's been really helpful so I can personally recommend the the mentoring and coaching from from impact links um and i think this is probably a good time as well just to mention um for anybody that's listening that that finds actually things are really difficult at the moment if if you really you know it's more than just feeling a little burnt out and a bit tired it's it's a real um problem it's something that's impacting on work or, or 
you know if you really do feel like you need to speak to somebody today then there are again lots of resources so um, certainly something that I would recommend is is NHS people so they have a, a confidential support line um, again I'll pop the links all on the website and they'll be in the newsletter article um, and there's a text service as well if you text frontline to 85258 um, you can you can get some some support straight away by text that's a 24 7 service um, there's there's absolutely tons of resources that have come out because of covid and i think there's this growing understanding of how much support is needed for nhs frontline workers in fact um you mentioned mindfulness before yeah um certainly i know that the headspace app is something that, that nhs workers can use for free and for anybody struggling with sleep, there's a, a fantastic app called Sleepio that I've started using recently, which is a kind of six week CBT program to try and improve sleep. So those are just some 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 things to try. But certainly I'd encourage anybody that, that needs some help, um, professional help to to get in touch. Um, certainly you can get in touch with um, the LMC and we can direct you to um, the necessary uh, people that you, you need and want to be speaking to. You know, with LMC, sometimes some of my colleagues, although I've spoken with Kieran many times uh, and he's been really lovely listening to me, sometimes people worry, you know, what do my colleagues think? Um, and I think there are other two sources I'd like to mention for more anonymous help. So mm. one is the BMA. Um, on their website, they've got like um, a burnout questionnaire. So that's quite useful. Um, and basically asks you about sort of things I ask, you know, are you feeling you want to isolate yourself? Um, you feeling resentment or negative? Um, you know, the, the about 15 questions. And at the end of that, it gives you your risk, whether you're low risk, high risk, medium risk. So that sort of thing. So awareness is important. And, yeah. and you may offer um, a lot of um, free counselling for uh, whether you are a member of BMA or not. So uh, that's a free confidential service. And the last one uh, is the practitioner health. Um, they are useful uh, team. They are doing a lot of work remotely at the moment, you know, like um, online. So previously people used to say, you know, you may have to travel to go and see a clinician. But nowadays it's, you know, done over uh, using Zoom or other, you know, Microsoft Teams, things like that. So you can consult with a um, um, psychotherapist, CBT practitioner to help mm -hmm. and support you. And that's uh, amazingly anonymous, which is a very, very good service. Um, and obviously, as I mentioned, we'll be popping all, all of the uh, resources that we discuss, um, links, and we'll be kind of trying to consistently be tweeting out information and updating the wellbeing page on the LMC website for, for anybody that wants to find out more. I think that probably covers most of the uh, the things that we wanted to talk about today. And um, and obviously, thank you to, to Lucky for being so open, so honest and giving your personal experiences. It's it's really valuable. And I think it, it when you know, when you've got a, an experienced GP talking about their experiences, it it gives permission. It opens up the conversation for other people to, to allow themselves to. <clears throat> to be to be a little bit more vulnerable we, we are human beings as you said and um there's always 
there's always support out there and, and I'm, I'm hoping that people listening to this will feel more comfortable um, asking those questions at work are you okay and as you've described asking that question more than once mm-hmm. um, because it's not enough because we all have that generic answer that we give don't we that yeah yeah I'm fine you know yeah. same as everybody but but actually you know sometimes we all struggle at times and and I thank you for your for your open um, honesty it was hard it was hard because you know you don't know who to trust what will happen but what i did find as you rightly said when i did say i spoke with kieran initially i think in in lmc and um you know he signposted me to um other services and and you're right there is a lot of support and help out there um and i think um through the work with the coaching some of the work i uh, did with impact links it just helped me realize what's important prioritizing Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I just had to make some little changes to my life some of them were big but you're right but as a result of that I feel so much happier so much content Mm -hmm. Um, and I do feel well in myself I think that's the the spirit so I think that's why I wanted to share because although it was a hard time but now I feel well and I think if you hear a good story uh, with a positive outcome I suppose it's encouraging other people to feel they're not jumping into a base they are following that somebody else has been through that absolutely it's 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 hopeful isn't it it's nice to hear that someone's gone through a difficult period and come out the other end feeling happy Um, and that's really encouraging um, and, I, and just on the point you've mentioned a few times about coaching and mentoring, and that's certainly something that I'm interested in. Um, yeah. And I know that the LMC are currently working on uh, providing a virtual mentoring course. It's going to be yeah. over a few sessions um, and that's really exciting. So if there's anyone listening that is thinking about mentoring um i'd encourage you to, to look at getting a mentor yourself first of all and then keep an eye out on the lmc website for the men- the virtual mentoring course which which we're we're, we're going to be producing and inviting people to um hopefully over the next few weeks so keep an eye out for that and hopefully you'll be uh, involved in that as well lucky Thank you for listening to this podcast from Lincolnshire LMC. Check out our website, linkslmc.co.uk or our Twitter or Facebook pages for more information.